Hello and welcome to the New North Podcast, where we investigate the unique sounds and perspectives of exploratory musicians. My name is Joe O'Connor, and I'm a member of New North's Artistic Committee, along with Andy Butler and Calum Gaffrey. New North is a platform for musicians who push boundaries in their areas of practice. This podcast is a companion to our concert series, which celebrates the amazing work of musicians and sound artists, both established and emerging, who make and present work on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Head to newnorthmusic.online for information about upcoming events, links to recordings from previous concerts, and information about our Emerging Artists Commission. You can also like New North on Facebook and follow new underscore north underscore music on Instagram for regular updates about our activities, including our upcoming concert, Foreign Intimate, which is at Brunswick Mechanics Institute on Wednesday, April 27th at 7.30pm. The sound you heard at the beginning of the podcast were made by my guests for this episode, percussionist and sound artist Michael McNabb. Michael performed at New North 4, our concert titled Resonant Threads, and presented a work which really blew me away. It was immersive and surprising, and it was humorous, and kind of made me want to dance as well, which is um, a bit of a new experience for a New North performance. Normally I share a short snippet of the performance to set the mood, but Michael's piece was created by a unique method that he's developed, collaging tracks by other artists, and since we weren't able to publish third-party content, you've just listened to a segment of a different work, which is actually quite different in character. We'll talk about other aspects of Michael's performance practice as well today, including his repurposing of styrofoam boxes, which actually featured in the Phonetic Orchestra's performance of a piece called Portmanteau Jacuzzi, which was part of our online concert Monochrome at the end of last year. You can listen to this performance on our SoundCloud or Bandcamp, or head to our YouTube channel, New North, to find the online recording of Monochrome. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Michael to the podcast. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Your performance at New North was a really compelling blend of music, sound, collage. There was even a bit of a theatrical element. And, um, and you were building textures by laying playback from um, multiple YouTube and, and Bandcamp browsers. And um, it also looked really amazing and was unusual in the way that it was uh, really interesting from a musical point of view, but also relatable on so many levels because of the, all the different source material that you were putting together. Mm. We'll talk a little bit more about the specific work later on, but first of all, I'd like to ask a couple of questions about um, what led you to make this sort of music. Um, so mm. would you like to tell me first about uh, what were some of your early musical experiences? Sure. Um, uh, generally speaking, I would say... Um, my earliest musical experiences uh, were a com- like just a few different types of things or, or a couple I can think of. One would be um, listening to pop music um, either from, on a CD that my parents got for me or maybe something that my babysitter had or something. Um, really, really enjoying that music a lot. Um, and, uh, dancing to CDs in the living room, like soul music or jazz music or something, or, um, just listening to my parents play because my mum's a violinist Mm. and my dad, he's not a professional musician, but he is a good piano player. Cool. He's not as good as you, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, I'm very flattered that you say so. Um, (laughs) And, um, and so since you're, you know, you're growing up with, with musical parents, did they get you into lessons? You know, were you learning instruments from a pretty young age or did you? Yeah. Yeah, I was, that was, that was certainly something that, that, that they were um, trying to cultivate, um, in their, in their children. And, um, I did, I learned piano, voice, a bit of cello. Um, but, uh, at some point, you know, when I was about nine, I think, um, I saw a friend performing in assembly at school, playing playing <laughs> on the drums yeah, right. um, with his dad, actually. He was playing with his dad, who was playing the bass. And um, uh, yeah, that was it. I was like, okay. Uh, got to make some noise. Got to play some drums now. And I think that my father was like, not as encouraging as my mother about the whole drums thing. Because right. 
I think he wanted me to get into classical music. Uh, okay. Um, I mean, lots lots of parents are also just, you know, working in school. They see it a little bit. They just don't want drum kits in their house. And I kind of say, I, know. That. I don't want a drum kit in my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, Exactly, and 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 there's probably some sort of like conservative argument to be made about you know, the brain and 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 classical music being sort of more sophisticated or something like this. I don't, but I don't I, know about you know, that though. I I think that's. I, I I know. Well, if I tried to call him on it, he certainly wouldn't admit to that. But yeah, you know. I think that's for me. I think that's a little bit more cultural, though. You know. I yeah, think, I think it's a broader thing. It's much broader than just yeah, like specifically what my dad would have to say or something like that. Sure, and so you you started off playing drums, and actually that's sort of that's how I um, knew you initially. You know, when I moved to Melbourne um, about ten years ago, now most of the stuff I saw you doing at that time was playing drums. You know, playing drums in improv contexts or um, yeah, you know, bands that, mm. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so you know, what what sort of um, what sort of interest then led you to the type of music you're making now, which, you know, of, of course you're doing um, uh, these sorts of YouTube sets that, that yeah. uh, I just mentioned before, and we'll, we'll expand a bit on that later, but, um, you know, but you're also doing a lot of other type of music, which is more instrumental, you know, playing percussion and various other things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's true. Yeah, there's like different concentrated fields of, 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 of music that manifest as like setups nowadays in my life and 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 the drums is still one of them um, um, and yes as you say percussion as well and uh, and the whole YouTube thing so I just to briefly describe the percussion thing just to give some context about my my other practices um, so I specialize in um, working with polystyrene boxes <laughs> which actually have a, a really interesting acoustic property they're kind of like a gigantic contact microphone um no electricity required oh so i just noticed um my, michael is um uh is one of my housemates and i just looked around <laughs> behind me where there was a big pile of polystyrene boxes and they're now gone so <laughs> yeah yeah there was a big pile of polystyrene boxes i was like I got to store these at my mum's place because you know that's what I do every time I like drive past one of like a particular size. It's it's the broccoli size. That's the good size. <laughs> I uh, I put it in the back of the car, and you know what? I got to stop myself now because I've got more than enough. Yeah, you got a few. I got a few, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, but it, the um, it's really interesting. The kind of like what would you say the uh, acoustic um, sound conduction that, that mm. polystyrene possesses especially it, all, all kinds of materials but especially metal um so yeah you can like bow um big metal bolts and stuff like that sounds a bit like bow vibraphone you can prepare those bolts with little sewing needles and it starts to sound more like distorted um all kinds of things putting rope uh thin bits of rope inside and then sort of draw um dragging my fingernails along them and that sounds like maybe um uh, tires on a, on a gravel road or something. Yeah, there's lots of different mm. sounds you can get just from this one setup. Yeah, you yeah. know, the first time I, I heard you doing that, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, makes sense now. I don't know, describe to me. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you're like, what's Michael going to do? It's hard to until you yeah. hear it. Um, I mm. remember years ago, it's kind of to total um, um, diversion, but a, a friend of mine at a party... Um, got uh, um, one of the, the racks out of the oven, you know, the Y racks out of the oven. Oh, yeah. Oh, you might have even been there. I don't know. Um, and got, Possibly, yeah. Uh, got shoelaces, um, so sort of suspended it on shoelaces and then wrapped the shoelaces around your ears and put your fingers in your ear and then hit the um, um, oh. hit the oven rack. And it just sounds like the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember you describing that to me. Yeah, That was yeah. Sam, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was Sam. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is he still in, is uh, he in Spain now? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I've, yeah. I've He's a brilliant um, free jazz drummer. Mm. And just, uh, like, Sam yeah. Hall, by the way, yeah. is who we're talking about. Um, yeah, which is actually maybe a, a, a good little pivot to my next question, which is, are there any um, specific influences or, or relationships that have been important to 
um, you may be developing both as a percussionist, but also this this very kind of particular practice of, of um, YouTube yeah. performance. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so we might as well. Oh, I mean, I'll see if I can combine the two. Um, mm. So studying jazz at university, I got into free jazz um, specifically. I would say through my friendship with John Smethers, who's a, I'm going to say, I'm going to say he occasionally plays saxophone nowadays, but he's more of a sound artist yeah. actually these days. Um, Just a general iconoclast, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting guy. Super creative, very sensitive, um, deep thinker, a lot of integrity. We became good friends at university and um, just started playing together. I mean, he hearing him play saxophone was just really, really amazing. So we started playing together. Mm. Also, a, a musician who sounded very, very good, very young. You know, I mm. I knew John when he was about sixteen in Brisbane before he moved down to Melbourne to study, and he already sounded incredible. You know, yeah, huge energy and yeah, exactly. Yeah. So much personality. Um, yeah. That's right. Um, it was this was kind of like this sort of um, musical springtime for me that time because I'd met John and was jamming with him, but I also met a lot of his other friends from Brisbane, including yourself, Joe, and saw uh, a lot of gigs that really, I would say, informed my sense of style uh, in, when it comes to improvising, especially on the drums. Mm. Um, so from there, uh, with the whole drum kit thing. Um, I felt like I, I felt like in my life I was always like trying to question things and like try something different and mix it up and do and try to experiment and do something new and that's probably what led me to free jazz anyway and then from there I was like well what else can I do and then um, actually John started showing me a lot of um, kind of yeah like I guess like music from berlin like sound soundy kind of music from mm. berlin and ele it's electronic working on a much longer time scale i would say mm. and, uh, not so much in length but the you know the pacing of so much um free jazz is very sort of gestural and um you know almost like a dialogue and interactive you know whereas i suspect you know some of the music you're talking about is much more kind of maybe more conceptual in the way that it's put together and much more long form and would yeah, you say that's right? That, absolutely, absolutely. Like the way, you know, that free jazz kind of challenges you by overloading you with information. Um, a lot of this kind of music, like for example, the music of Keith Rowe, challenges you by uh, giving you very little information, but it's sort of like ongoing, like these kind of ongoing sustained sounds that as you, they go on, your mind actually sort of like attaches to them and starts to hear all these like relationships just inside the sound mm. um, and I realized that the feeling inside was basically the same thing that I got right. from from listening to that music um, yeah so that's probably I would say definitely that, that 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 trajectory is what led me to the polystyrene thing um, and I also want to mention um, specifically Dale Gorfinkel as well because mm. he's um, been a, a big influence on me as a um inventor and builder of of, of really interesting acoustic sounds mm. and if it wasn't for listening to his music and seeing him perform i don't think i would have been so compelled to, yeah. to, to try to find something like the polystyrene setup so mm. yeah so yeah and, and i sorry i still haven't even talked about the the youtube thing but no no we'll, we'll get gonna, there we're we'll getting get to that yeah it's almost good that we're, we're saving that for later um, so, but, but I think now, now is a good time, you know, I'm actually really curious how, uh, how you would describe the work that you performed for New North. Yeah. Um, oh God, what, what, what can I say that sounds good? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to sound good. Um, um, how would I describe it? Like to, to someone that. Yeah, just to anyone. Well, um, yeah, uh, it could be. It could be. How would you describe it to someone who um, hadn't seen the set in particular? You mm. know, because um, yeah, yeah, because there. I, I suppose there's a process aspect of yeah. it. There's um, a sound aspect, and then I think there's also a really important visual aspect as well. Mm. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I would say that the process informs the sound for sure. So it's a good entry point. So I would just say um, uh, that music is, um, it's kind of like a deconstructed uh, sort of like lo-fi, not lo-fi in terms of sound, but lo-fi in terms of like method approach to DJing. So I just use YouTube tabs and I don't have any beat matching ability. Um, all I have is choosing which tracks I'm going to play. And um, basically what I do is I just have like maybe about 30, 30 YouTube tabs open, all ready to go. And I know which ones I'm going to play in what order. So there's a sequence and there's probably about three, four, five songs playing at once um, throughout the set. And I've spent a lot of time uh, looking for good combinations. Often, very, very often key matching or mm. like adjacent key matching um, is basically essential unless you're trying to go for something very, um, yeah, noisy, so mm. to say. So that's kind of the, the 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 main language of it, and then and then the other big part of the big part of it is the levels. You know, um, one one track might be in the foreground, it might be loud, and some other tracks might be in the background. Or you can play one track twice. You know, like it might you might play play the this track from from the zero seconds marker, and then the same song again at the same time from the thirty seconds marker. So it becomes like a Oh, right. like you treat a, it like a texture a little cannon or something like, like a cannon that's yeah. right yeah like hearing like even though this song has like all these changes all the way through it you just hear it as like one texture like one block of sound mm. um, yeah and actually the you know from a listening point of view um, I was curious how you manage that sort of transition from one thing to the next and, and the layering because it did sound really seamless you know um, <laughs> and um, glad to hear it yeah, and sort of knowing a little bit about the process before I heard the gig, um, I was surprised by how integrated things were. You know, I think I actually expected it to be a little bit noisier and more kind yeah. of chaotic. I mean, it was chaotic in a way. But Absolutely. <laughs> no, I know. That's right. But it felt more like yeah. controlled chaos rather than, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And when I first started this practice um, years ago... Uh, it was extremely chaotic. I was trying to make it as chaotic as possible. I wasn't even using any like music audio at all. I think I was just only using like weird YouTube videos and, and right. I was improvising rather right. than rather than arranging or composing. Ah, uh, I see. Um, but now I feel like I've found something that works and I, I plan to continue doing it. I've got about 14 mixes under my belt. Only right. five of them are up, but uh, right, right, yeah. Right. Um, Cool. Yeah, I'd love to hear um, a little bit more of those. Um, and I suppose there's one other aspect of the work which, um, for me, was actually kind of crucial, and that's what it looked like. Uh, uh, if, yeah. if you can hear yeah. that, I, I realized as I started talking that I wore creaky shoes. Oh, I th is it your shoes? I thought can it was just that? the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, two of my shoes have um, squeak, squeaks in them. <laughs> so, like, I, I bit squeaky. Yeah, well, they're um, not—they're not visually loud, at least. No, you know, no. they're kind of subtle. Some, yeah, some, some There's we've got creaky like, yeah, got some chairs as well. So you know, there's no shortage of, of strange creaking sounds. Um, so speaking of strange, tell us about what your performance looked like. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I wore, um, well, uh, it was blackout lighting except for. A candle on the desk where I was um, operating this uh, stuff from. I don't know, Joe. Could you see? Was there any lighting from the screen, from my screen, uh, onto, onto onto my face? Or there was there was some lighting, and um, and behind Michael there was also a projector screen. Yeah, and that was actually great because you got um, uh, a really clear projection of. Uh, of part of your silhouette as well. Yeah, yeah, you that's know? right. That was incidental. Yeah, yeah. but but actually, yeah. um, actually, really um, effective. And I think um, it was great for the photography who was there as well because I think mm. you might 
we haven't seen the images yet, but I suspect they might be quite dramatic because mm. of that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, totally. That's right. Yeah, so the projector was the other sort of major part of the visuals. Um, did I mention that I was wearing a mask? No, no. Right. For me, that was a major part. <laughs> that, that was the other major part of the visuals. I was wearing a mask. It was a paper mache Power Rangers mask that... Um, belongs to my brother Hugh. Hugh has Down syndrome and he loves the Power Rangers. And <laughs> I didn't even realize it was Power Rangers. I mean, yeah. to, to me, it looks kind of like a, a cross between like uh, kind of like a Venetian carnival mask and an alien. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. Like. Well, it was on, I don't know, I shouldn't say paper mache because I think it was just on... I can't tell how they made it. It's quite well made. The, one of his carers made it for him and... Mm. I can't tell if it's just on like a cardboard mask that you get from a shop and it looks like one of these sort of like Venetian things mm. um, or or if it's just from scratch. But yeah, um, it, the, the fact that it's like not completely recognizable as a Power Ranger is part of its appeal to me. Like it's just mm. got a general kind of weird sci-fi alien kind of look to it and um, also vibe, this the kind of theatrical large. thing as well. Yeah. The vibe is large, yeah. <laughs> it looked amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and I try to sit extremely still yeah um, throughout yes. the whole set and just let the candlelight go onto the mask and just do nothing except press space bar you know just play the next the next track mm. and the next track um and hopefully the 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 all the activity going on in the audio takes care of the sort of um the feeling of the performance you mm. know because i don't want to be like <laughs> taking up people's time just like standing there doing nothing like some like like a super minimal thing it's not it's not like that but it's I, more I that think I'm the, trying to... the stillness though and the weirdness of the mask with the candlelight though actually um it made it very dramatic you know if you hadn't been so still like that i, I think it would have maybe felt more like a gimmick but it actually felt very performative hmm. um that's good to hear. in a way that i i really enjoy um and you know I think it also, in a funny sort of way, contributed to, um, like, I found it really funny, <laughs> you know, like, and I, I'm not sure, we might talk a little bit more about, That's the, good. you know, what That's your good. sort of intention is in terms of, what, <laughs> you know, the, the audience experience it's, a little bit later, but... Yeah, um, it's not intentionally funny, but that's the thing, is I definitely recognise the absurdity of the situation, and mm. I think that um, I'm just trying to lean into... How, you know the music like the tracks i'm using and how much i love them and all that stuff but i also recognize that everyone's gonna just interpret it however they want and if someone thinks it's funny that's like that's not bad news you know that's that's good news yeah not not funny in a trivial trivial way but i suppose one of the things that, that was really interesting and and um uh and really satisfying about the performance as well is that some of the music i don't know at all and actually probably a lot of it is isn't um mm. i mean what what sort of styles would you say were the the, the featuring most in this club? yeah i i say uh i think in the write-up i say pop club rap and yeah. other musics yeah. so i reckon i didn't know most of the you know particularly like the um the you know rap club stuff mm. I, mm -hmm. I just don't think i knew any of it so i was just kind of hearing that pretty um pretty mm. fresh mm -hmm. but then you know there, there are certain um bands that made an appearance that yeah you know everyone is gonna everyone's <laughs> gonna recognize you know it was like a bit of karaoke vibes yeah, yeah. um yeah. there was a moment of Coldplay which i actually mm. didn't catch you know like i, I don't know Coldplay's music super the well. first Coldplay album by the way <laughs> <laughs> before they got shit <laughs> I wouldn't know. I haven't even listened yeah. to uh, you know. I, I look. I represent Coldplay to to the to the end. No, not really. That first album is is really good. Yeah, um, and the second one too. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was there was definitely though as the as the sort of piece was winding down, you know, out of this kind of really dense sort of um, mixture of tracks, I was like. I'm sure I hear the voices of Abba in there. Yeah, like it's just sort of, uh -huh. it, and and at first though it was really dense, so it was like, it could it be? Yeah, you know. And yeah. then as yeah. as some of those tracks ended towards the end, you know, it was just like full on Abba, and mm, <laughs> mm, mm. And, um, mm. and I think that's you know for me that's that's kind of what I found funny is is that there's a real playfulness to this sort of um, placing things in a context where they don't 
where, yeah. where they don't normally yeah. live. I know. I suppose, yeah. yeah, that kind of juxtaposition. I think I'd like to take the opportunity to talk about footwork music now. Having, oh, having, yeah, having, having, right. having heard you talk about that impression that you got listening to the ABBA, ABBA music over the top of the really hectic, noisy club stuff, I would say that that type of juxtaposition... For me, like a lot of a lot of that comes from listening to a lot of footwork music. That mm. that was a footwork track that was playing in that moment. I think right. it was like a footwork track and a really banging like Jay Dilla beat at the same time, which is like two different tempos. And then yeah, ABBA, the ABBA like as a well. Really specific tempo, isn't it? Like exactly, it's like one sixty, yeah, BPM, extremely fast. But like a lot of halftime drum programming as well as like very frantic stuff as well so there's like this incredible juxtaposition of senses of speed in that music like there'll be really slowed down samples with like a huge kind of halftime feeling and then on top of that will be all this crazy drum programming mm. um but anyway um well, for, for anyone who's listening though you know I, I don't know a great deal about footwork music but mm. like i've checked out some of that dancing on youtube and it's just fully insane oh it's, i love it it's so beautiful it's but, amazing you know yeah. how what would be like your your one minute primer on footwork yeah it's a um genre of dance battle music that came out of house in chicago and um there was a genre that there's genres that came before it that that, that paved the way for its existence like ghetto house and then which is like you know like it's basically like really hard, like twerking music. <laughs> um, that that stuff's really great, especially if you get into footwork and you want to keep listening back to the history. And yeah, so there's there's that music, which has a lot of like repeated vocals over the drums and everything. Then you've got um, Duke music, which is when they started to speed it up more. And I think from the transition oh yeah of duke into like footwork music there were a lot of um uh groups who were coming up with these dance routines um together using their using their their feet and yeah. i don't know if you watch like breakdancing but like the element of breakdancing that specifically uses the legs that's kind of what it looks like a bit but it's much faster yeah it's super fast like you, mm -hmm. you know you can barely see because it's it's almost like maybe it's almost like the the irish dancing of contemporary yeah you know, contemporary yeah exactly i know like that's that. got a parallel there yeah because yeah. it's very you know like of course they're, they're doing some stuff with their arms as well but it's not like mm. Mm. yeah know, that's not where the action is yeah the torso is like the it's part of the style because you hold they hold their torso in a particular way to make it look a certain way and do things with their hands that are very simple but then it's all yeah that's right it's all about the feet mm. yeah and and but I, I was going to mention that in footwork music there it's normal to like go from you can take like a really if you ha imagine like a really insane noisy banging kind of track how can you make that even more intense? And like a lot of the one way that that seems to happen in that music is they'll just put like a really tranquil like vocal sample in there or something. Yeah, right. you know. Right. Um, and that's I would say you could compare the ABBA, the inclusion of ABBA to, sure. to, to that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I, that you know the, that sort of moment of of recognition where where you know it seems so unlikely, but there it is. You know. I think that's because there were a few points where I just found myself kind of laughing. I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> um, but I think actually as well, it, it kind of, it makes something which, um, you know, might normally be a really weird music experience for someone um, kind of accessible as well, because, you mm. know, everyone is going to recognize that, you know, like um, everyone's going to recognize that ABBA sound. Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So it's kind of, um, familiar and foreign at the same time yeah so true and i think that hearing you say that it's like makes me think that maybe originally in the context of footwork it was actually the vocal sample that would have been the more sort of normal thing so to maybe. say and then the, the drums are like the new the new thing or something like that yeah it's not yeah it's not clear what the this the you know the the which took precedence but yeah that's right. I think that relatability is, is something. 
Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, as you've been putting this track together, you've been really deliberate about um, the type of music that you're um, that you're using. And yesterday we were just very briefly talking about what we might talk about today. And one mm -hmm. of the things that you've raised is the way that you actually find music using YouTube algorithms and yeah. and actually, you know, have a special account for this music so that you're able to shape those algorithms to give you certain types of results. Um, tell me a bit about that because that's, yeah, that's interesting. That's right. Well, that was a technique that was taught to me by John Smethers, actually, hey. who's the, the, the inverted commas saxophone player who I mentioned earlier, who's now a sound artist. Well, we should say, though, that he's... he's, uh, he's kind of invested himself in lots of different areas you know sound art fashion design installation yeah that's um, right he just had a work with um lucy some um, an artist called lucy at uh rising which didn't didn't come didn't happen in the end um but yeah he was doing the sound for, for this work uh that was like a giant block of ice um i think suspended from the ceiling in a car park or something mm. Yeah, um, yeah, I heard about that. Mm, yeah, I just wanted to mention John because um, uh, we've been friends for a long time, and when I developed this YouTube thing, he was running a little label, and I was putting out some albums that were using some of this YouTube type of music, as well as some music concrete kind of approaches. And um, he he was very encouraging. He was like listening to this music I was making and really saying that he loved it and stuff. And uh, he started getting into making YouTube sets as well. Um, and around that time, I, I'd sort of slowed down on it and, and had, had basically lost inspiration for it, to be honest. And um, then I went and stayed in Hobart, where he lives. And um, <clears throat> he showed me... He, he, we, we, we actually just hung out and, and, and made some sets together. And he showed me what he'd been doing and... Prior to that, I had never considered using actual music in, in YouTube sets, which sounds odd, but I think I was trying to do this music concrete thing. But then he was like, oh, you know, now I'm doing sets using tunes and it's like I'm trying to DJ basically. And that was amazing. And yeah, he showed me the algorithm thing of um, basically deleting stuff from your history that you don't like. And that way um, the algorithm will hopefully only feed you stuff that you that you will like mm. um and i mean when it comes to music i think hopefully as long as your taste is like quite broad it doesn't become too much of an echo chamber especially if you're trying to like build youtube sets that have like a certain like central style to them you know mm. um yeah and, and the other thing i was going to say is that um, a lot of the songs that are sort of foregrounded in my sets, <clears throat> I already knew them before and I looked for them, but then there's a lot of other ones that I just found that were recommended in algorithms. And I don't even necessarily, to be honest with you, I don't even enjoy listening to them mm. on their own that much. It's more that they, to me, they sound good as like a layer in the context mm. of the, of the YouTube set. So there's something funny about that, about like not having a very deep relationship with some of the materials in the set, but just sort of using them as, um, yeah, just trying to repurpose them. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I think though, you know, something that does come across though is um, the that you actually do have a really close relationship with some of that music. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned to me previously that... that um, Part of this approach comes out of your, um, I suppose, your sense of yourself of being a, con a consumer of music. And I suppose, mm. you know, all musicians are consumers of music. But perhaps when it comes to our own art making, we really um, think of ourselves in a different category or mm. something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I, I think this approach is, is um, you know, kind of turns that on its head a bit because you're creating mm. out of out of this process of consumption. Um and, um, I mean, did you want to comment on that at all? Or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's something that I was consciously or not like meditating on a lot when I was trying to make this like very, <clears throat> very like 
noisy kind of like hip hop inspired music uh, at university around that time. And um, yeah, I think I was just kind of at odds with the fact that I loved hip hop music so much um, and I wanted to I wanted to express something like that myself, but I also felt deeply inauthentic, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's an issue I think for just playing jazz as well. You yeah. Know, it's really in, in a lot of respects, it's a music that's specific to another culture and mm. exactly. I know. Yeah. And, um, depending on the situation, like which part of my, self or which part of my past I'm kind of drawing on I might be jaded about that kind of thing or or I might not you know I might I might think that you know it's actually it's it's just music you know it doesn't really matter you know especially if you love to play it like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you just play it you know especially like audiences as well enjoy um but yeah nevertheless I would say that that kind of the side of me that was like critiquing that maybe is what pushed me towards trying to come up with some kind of music that sounded like <laughs> someone who, you know, loves listening to that music, but is, is, is emphatically not trying to recreate it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that's that's another part of of the experience of listening to this that's really interesting is that um, the the overall result of all of this stuff um, being laid together is actually you know it's very much your music in a sense yeah you know it's in very one specific sense. to your practice yeah. but but also um, it's also other people's music yeah um, that's right it's like co consumption like the same as a DJ like you we can just listen to some some music together and it doesn't matter that it's not my music. That was kind of like the other thing that I forgot to add just moments ago is that yeah. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, completely take ownership of like, you know, the, the sound of this music. Like, I'm, I think what I would say is that I do love listening to this music and hopefully you'll love listening to it too. And also maybe the, the, the craft side is... Um, yeah, this like layering and juxtaposition, which, you know, on some level, you know, there's something interesting about it to me because the audience and me, we're all just kind of listening to it and we're listening to, 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 to the entire thing, like the entire song from start to finish. At the same time as, as an, uh, yeah, as another See, I, one. I actually didn't realize that all of the tracks ran for their full length. Either. They did, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, it, that's it. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to make a statement, but I'm also trying to just get you to listen to this stuff that I had a profound experience listening to as well, you know? Yeah. You know, and that sort of, that um, kind of very genuine um interest in this music you know the enjoyment that you're getting out of it i think it comes across you know and i suppose this this sort of approach which you could describe as a type of collage it does um you know it it, it i suppose it's a very postmodern approach in a way you mm. know, and um but one of the things that sometimes critiqued about postmodern is that there is this sort of coolness or detached detachedness about its stance towards music which is um you know either ironic or Mm. Or, or kind of yeah. critiquing, and and I don't I don't really get that sense so much in in your music. It's kind oh, of thanks. It's like there's a um, a sense of the strategy, but not um, um, but but not necessarily that that um, yeah that sort of slightly detached kind of stance, which can mm. be a bit disengaging. Like yeah. it, or should I say it's, it's engaging maybe intellectually, but maybe doesn't move you in the same mm. way. Mm -hmm. You know. And I was just, you know, listening to the set. I was fully in it, like I was moving, and um, <laughs> you know, um, that's really nice, Joe. I, I've had thoughts like that before, and 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 I don't think I was. I don't remember often that that's 
a point of difference yeah between between like say like plunder phonics and and my music for example mm. yeah that there is a kind of earnest appreciation of the original content like you're not trying to be like oh yeah this 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 is um rubbish and but when i when i play it then it's good um yeah yeah i mean like, i, I did like i did, I did like say something like that before when i was talking about like some of the tracks that are like a little bit i'm somewhat indifferent to them as like standalone listening experiences like some of the ones that just come up on the algorithm but mm. but but bolstering you know some some other tune that i really love then yeah so yeah. maybe that's like the plunder follicles el- uh, element mm. you know to me I also like though that you know you're you're revisiting things that no doubt you know are things that you enjoyed a long time ago. Yeah, um, the nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that um, this is this has been my experience to some extent that a, a lot of um, musicians who get into really sort of niche styles kind of disown their past in a way. You know, like um, uh, be like, oh, I'm not into that anymore, or I've outgrown <laughs> that, or you know, don't want to. Um, yeah. You know, like I loved ABBA as a kid. It's like it was one of the first, um, maybe the first band that I was like, oh, this is so good. I love oh, this. really? Oh, that's my, that's interesting. <clears throat> that's really cool. Actually, my until, my mother is the ABBA fan. I, right. I don't. I, don't right, right. I never listened or enjoyed ABBA, but then my family has been doing karaoke lately, and right. Mum sings that one, the one that was in the set, the one about yeah. um, I believe in angels, and I was really moved by that song just listening to my mum sing it. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's really cool, but I think you know, um, like I'm not telling it until now. I'm putting it on a podcast, but it was I'm not going around telling people that I like you still love ABBA. <laughs> like it's, it feels very much like um, you know, like yeah. something, something that I've outgrown in a way. But yeah, um, yeah. But I think it's it's actually really nice <clears throat> to um, to hear the way that you're embracing those things that you know that are, that are part of your your past and and by the sounds of it, you know, your present. Mm, you know, mm. as well your um, family relationships and stuff yeah yeah hopefully it can be like serious and just not too serious and fun at the same time mm. that, that 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 would be ideal you know that's yeah. sort of the, the the hope and i suppose there are probably other parts of your musical activities where you might inhabit those spaces which are a little bit more sort of serious or austere and you know, um, mm. one of the things that, that I thought would be cool to very briefly talk about is the phonetic orchestra, since yeah. um, since you did perform in the phonetic orchestra for uh, New North's yeah. second concert, which was actually online. Yeah, um, that Mon- music comes Mon- into Rain. it too, I can tell yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And by the way, anyone who's listening, you, you can find Monochrome's recording of phonetic orchestra. That was called um, Portmanteau Jacuzzi. Two, wasn't it? Um, you can find that on New North's YouTube channel if you want to see Michael playing some polystyrene boxes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Such um, great titles, yeah. pieces. They're very, yeah, very, right. very playful titles in what is otherwise quite, yeah, uh, maybe austere, austere, but just more, just I would say, like confidently minimal and kind of mm. cultivating an ambience through, yeah, slow time and stuff. Hmm. Mm. Um, so down to my last couple of questions, and I, I think I'll ask you one now, which I, um, ask all the, the interviewees on the podcast. And that is, you know, um, this music that you're creating is quite strange. Um, and, um, I think perhaps we've, we've covered this a little already, but I'm curious if you imagine yourself sitting in, um, in the audience, watching your set, you know, in a kind of out of body way, uh, Describe how you think you would experience that. Hmm. Um, I'd probably be struck by the awkwardness to begin with, like the fact that there's, it's kind of awkward and funny and a bit silly, but then, because you see there's all these YouTube tabs open, uh, and then the, the projector goes off and then the music starts and, and it's quite sort of like serious or something. And maybe the, maybe I would be, um, yeah, just, just feeling like, uh, 
oh, this is not as weird as I thought it was or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, like if, if there's... Yeah. This, yeah. I guess maybe maybe like my expectation to begin with might be that it's going to be like... Yeah, like ironic or something like that. Which it is on some like more broad level but then as the music goes on um yeah probably like experiencing something a bit more um warm Mm. yeah that was certainly my experience of it you know yeah like the irony wasn't distancing at all you know yeah um yeah it was fully immersive (laughs) i would say um Something I thought I'd just revisit quickly, actually, because I yeah. think it is interesting. You know, a lot of the um, the other uh, or the other podcasts that we've done so far have involved music from um, uh, from from performances at View North, and then you know we kind of um, able to share that as a way of giving conta- uh, context to our discussion. But in this case, I'm not sure yet if that will be possible because mm. you know so much of the music. Um, that you're using is it you know it has copyright restrictions yeah, on it I know. and yeah um and yeah. It, it does you know kind of um, <laughs> it poses problems it's a good one ownership. to ponder yeah yeah it does yeah it does it does it does it does pose questions about ownership you're right yeah, yeah. um do you feel like this is your music um yes <laughs> uh but there's a there's a big asterisk there, and uh, I would hope that if you just come to the gig, you would you would get this anyway. But um, uh, it's it's my music in so far as you know. I've spent a long time selecting the 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 tunes ahead of time, and um, arranging them in a particular way. Like maybe it's like an arrangement craft. Mm or something mm. yeah yeah it's it's, it's really inter- interesting it's almost like the music industry you know isn't capable of dealing with what it is that you're actually contributing there yeah you know? that's right because i know that there's well you know what i don't know uh, i can say that i know that that it's definitely true that like it's thanks to the work that i've done that that the feeling that the feeling of mm. the performance was there so to- yeah um, totally true um, it's almost like the, the, it, like this idea of ownership is really based on creating making music into a into a commodity when mm. in so many situations it's not a, a um, it's, sorry no it's right. um, it's yeah you know it's not a commodity it's like a community exercise or it's uh, something experiential or, um, and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and what you are providing it's like it is something experiential but mm hard to pin down yeah know, um, yeah absolutely in terms, of, in terms yeah. of capitalism which hey is great right yeah so. i know and you know like you know <laughs> it's funny to imagine you know this whole project which by the way it does have the alias listening labor at the moment i'm not even 100 percent set on that alias it's just i just came up with it because it's like oh you know i'm listening and that's the labor <laughs> <laughs> quite like it <laughs> it's good. um yeah it's hard to say you know what the implications might become if 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 you know he- heaven forbid i start to play play like a bunch of you know well paid gigs or something like that um i think potentially though uh, I, I think it's less gigs where the issue will be cuz you mm-hmm. know surely there's there's an understanding about how dj's you know yeah. get by in the world mm-hmm. i think it's actually more if you wanted to share it um you know as on a label or yeah, as yeah. a release yeah. and yeah it, it can be done it's just that um uh, you know, it is quite a niche music, and mm. the amount you'd probably have to pay in licenses, mm. mm-hmm. you know, and the amount of work you'd have to do sourcing actually mm. how to, how to even um, mm. execute those licenses would be probably pretty prohibitive um, yeah. to do it legally. You yeah. know, um, which I think is actually such a shame because I'd love everyone to be able to just yeah you know, find this music and yeah. hear it. And, That's um, right. The workaround I've, I've 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 got is that I just use Mixcloud. And uh, so far, every mix I've uploaded, I've included um, a track list. Right. Uh, right. So I'm sort of trying to present it as, you know, I'm not trying to hide the mm. content from you. I'm trying to 
tell you what it is. Mm. Yeah. And um, and if you, uh, if someone wanted to find this music so they could listen to it, how yeah. would they do that? So it's Listening Labor is the name of the, I think it's the name of the actual mix series, but I'm pretty sure Michael McNabb, if you just look up Michael McNabb on Mixcloud, that's where it'll be. Mm. And I think there's about five up there, but I've got another nine to upload. Okay. Yet, including the piece that I performed. Um, oh, awesome. So that was actually a piece, like inverted commas piece from uh, from a while back, but it yeah. was one of the, I thought one of the best ones. So I was like, I'll just yeah. do that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're glad you did. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, it was a really wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last thing I thought I'd ask you about is, um, do you have anything coming up? You know, feel free to share any any um, performances or releases or anything that that you'd like people to find. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, well, there's there's always the Mahagoni gig, um, which is actually at the same at the same institution. Um, I'm becoming. I'm. I'm fast becoming a regular at New North. Yeah, I, think. Yeah. I think you're the only regular at New North so far. <laughs> I I feel so lucky, you know, um, being able to play, play, some, like my basically my favorite music in such a nice venue. Um, yeah, my favorite music, I should mm. say. Yeah, so there's an ensemble I'm in called Mahagoni, which is with Justin Myberg, Lena Chernyovska, and Emilio Godoa. Um, and th- those last two, they're both uh, living in Berlin. They're a couple living in Berlin, and they've just had a baby. Actually, oh, who's wow. like eight weeks old. I yeah, Frederico. Frederico. Yeah, um, and Justin is uh, from Perth, and he's a composer and um, sort of community organizer and label manager, um, and a great saxophonist as well. Um, mm. And yeah. this, this is part of. Um, a gig we're co-presenting with Audible Edge on the 27th of April, which is a Wednesday evening. And um, uh, this set, Mahogany, is being... Um, it, we're using um, a, a digital networking software called JackTrip so that we're able to have uh, the performance happen across these three different parts of the world, Berlin, Perth, and, um, and Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so, for anyone, they, they, they weren't they weren't willing to come to Australia. So, we yeah, had to. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unfortunately, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. We, we no, yeah. Don't. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've been trying to work with the camera to 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 to. Uh, or at least we've been discussing that, like trying to work with the camera to come up with like a visual mm. piece that actually makes the most of the medium. Yeah, for sure. And and look, the. Um, for, for anyone who comes to that performance, we will be using um, projection so that there is, you know, there is this sort of um, visual aspect of the performance that includes people in those different locations. So um, we're really looking forward to that and and, um, and um, we're sure it's going to be, you know, awesome <laughs> musically, but hopefully it's going to look visually amazing um, as hopefully, well. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that'll be the side that we probably really need to do some work on. You know, we're all mu- good musicians, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Le- Lena is the visual artist of us all. And she, she you know, if, if, if the other three of us, you know, the, the three guys can't, can't come up with any ideas, I'm sure that she'll just, you know, just do her thing and it'll look amazing anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, and that gig also has um, Joe Talia performing and... Um, and Flora Carbo and Aitam Ritz as well are, are doing a duo set, which I think will also involve um, some um, visual elements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and anything else? I th- there's a, a band you play with that I think you've got some things. Yes, I'm up. so sorry. I, I didn't get the dates. Um, oh, that's okay. But at the time of recording, um, my band Adore which is with my brother and my cousin and my other friend, uh, Jack Palmer, um, are playing at Nighthawks on Friday. And that's going to be our first gig at Nighthawks, which we're very excited about because it's something that we increasingly are aligning with, like stylistically in the scene. Like we're, we're moving from... Our, our, our new tunes are like less shoegazy and more... Um, uh, yeah, just like kind of hardcore and, and punky and more screaming and everything. So 
yeah, we're going to rock out on Friday night. Yeah. And then I think we've got another one at Gummo, Cafe Gummo. Um, and that one is in April, but I'm so sorry. I can't actually remember the, the date. But if you look up Adore Band Melbourne or like Nam or something, um, we should come up. Awesome. And so you mentioned you're going to rock out on Friday. Yeah. Uh, what's the venue for that? Oh, that's Nighthawks. Oh, that's Nighthawks this Friday. Is the name of that venue. Sorry, yeah. The, um, Nighthawks is a venue in Collingwood. It's quite close to the Tote. Um, and it's just a nice little bar with like a, a stage upstairs. You go up the stairs and there's a, a little stage with some curtains at the back. And it's just a nice little functional kind of gig room. Mm, and yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the acts that play there are sort of on the more underground sure uh, rock and roll side oh well we'll see it might not be possible to have the podcast out by friday <laughs> we're recording on wednesday the 23rd and uh and friday's the 25th so yeah we'll see how we go yes um but you know our our 100 subscribers are all going to listen to oh. it on the day of release right so. <laughs> um that might be a good spot for us to wrap it up yeah I think. but um thanks so much for talking Thank you, Joe. Thanks very much. Yeah, super interesting to hear more about how you actually, you know, went about making that music. And um, I look forward to hearing it again, hopefully really soon. Yeah, cheers. It's been yeah. good to have a platform to discuss uh, the performance. And yeah, I um, I should say that this gig um, felt very much like a uh, something that inspired me to, to uh, start to pursue some other performance opportunities mm. so yeah thank yeah. you guys for, for having me oh on. it's our pleasure and mm. um you know next next one i really want to be able to dance to it which I yes said to you but it's that's right you know it does feel like a dj set in the sense that like it's very danceable music yeah. you know? that's the long-term goal is to basically mm. just take over the club scene <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's gonna happen right yeah we? yeah maybe some maybe it'll become a whole genre who knows <laughs> michael's mixes yeah yeah <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my chat with Michael. Uh, I certainly enjoyed it and really found it very interesting going a little bit more in detail into how he created this work, which for me is really quite mysterious and, and totally outside of my own sphere of practice. So um, there was a lot to discover there. And if you'd like to discover more about what New North artists are doing at our upcoming events, and in particular Foreign Intimate, which is happening at BMI on April 27th, go to newnorthmusic.online, follow us on Instagram, or like us on Facebook. And that should keep you fairly up to date with our upcoming activities. Until next time, goodbye. Yeah.